matter who you are, where you are, what your choices have been, and what karmic timelines and contracts you have journeyed, the light is calling for the reunification of all aspects of life in this realm now. It is calling for the cleansing of all polarities. It is calling for the rising of all sacred heart centers now. All are being summoned home to the greater light now. And welcome to Whole Soul Mastery's Live Well, Live Whole podcast series. I'm Marie Moeller, and I'm an author, intuitive, and a messenger of integrating the polarity within and integrating wholeness within. And I am here today with Matthew Crowfoot. Matthew, thank you for joining me. Yeah. Yeah, we spoke a few months back about some buckets and ways to discern with all this information that's swirling around. And in these times of change and transformation and ascension, we're being summoned to prepare. And so preparation feels like it's an integral part of that change and transformation and ascension. You know, if there's four corners to that conversation, preparation is definitely a solid square in there. And I thought we could talk about today, what is going on in our world where we would say, why do we need to prepare? Why are we talking so much about preparation? Why is that relevant right now, right? Can't we yeah. just like get back to our lives and you know go on our holidays and our vacations? And why do we have to be talking all this preparation stuff? We are here at the shift of the ages. We know we're at the end of the Piscean age and we're entering this age of Aquarius right now. So even if we just seeded the conversation with the awareness of a shift in that, and usually with, when you shift from one age to another, there's a shift in consciousness. You might need to prepare a little bit so you could get yourself a little bit up to speed or open to receive the new ways of energy, how that's moving in our lives and showing up in our world. So why don't you start us off, Matthew, by you know, sharing some of the things that you're aware of, things that are swirling around in the global collective, right? In the experiences of people. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Well, first of all, I'm feeling this energy. You're just talking about this change in my body right now, just feeling all these great tingles and this high vibration coming in just from this conversation. So thank you first for making uh, space for these kinds of conversations for both us and our viewers. So uh, so that's really cool. Uh, as you said, we're we're... I know I'd like to think of it, it's like we're going through the growing pains of birthing a new earth. It's really what's happening where some people have heard this language of 3D earth and the fifth dimensional earth. And we're actually like moving to a higher dimensional experience on the planet. And that's can be, if you think about it, like Mother Earth is going through all these changes and it's showing up in really crazy ways like weather patterns and earthquakes and fires and all this stuff. Um, you know, for like the people, uh, I wrote down a few things here as well. So like civil unrest, like as things change, as our awareness um, starts increasing, we start seeing more of what's going on. You know, people are starting to get, you know, realize they're getting divided and they're kind of fighting with each other, fighting with the governments, fighting with 
everyone, or at least saying, this is what I stand for and I'm not going to take uh, anything else anymore. Uh, we see things like supply chain disruptions either caused on purpose or because everything's mismanaged. We see inflation because, you know, everything's based on these central bank systems that they're doomed to fail. Like they're meant to fail and they're meant to, to take all the wealth of, of the people and funnel it to a few people. And then every 50, 60 years, they have to have huge global chaos to reset this. So we're right on schedule for that. That's the only way that they can continue is to create chaos. Uh, chaos is another one. Uh, mandates, war, cyber attacks. You hear about these things in the news in advance of them happening somehow, as if people know uh, or are planning on creating these things. Um, I'll leave that to your own discernment, uh, the viewer. Uh, you know, we have these, you know, climate change narratives and Green New Deal and all this stuff. And if you look at uh, some of that stuff, it's like what they're proposing won't, isn't, doesn't provide enough energy to support the people on the planet. So what happens to the people on the planet then if they can't survive with, with those policies, right? So, and that creates more civil unrest. You know, we have all the pandemic narratives and all the yanking and pulling and the science has changed and all this stuff. And so all these things, uh, you know, erratic weather patterns I mentioned too, like with fires and earthquakes and things too, like you'd almost be a fool not to prepare. <laughs> uh, first of all, there's more to than this than just like physically preparing. So we're going to talk today about spiritually preparing, about mm -hmm. the emotional mental side of preparing. Uh, like how can you deal and cope with all this new information and all this chaos in your world? Um, and then physical preparation. And then we'll look at some financial preparations as well uh, today. Oh, so those are, those are some of the huge things. Uh, so I'm going to throw it back to you with like spiritual preparation. What, uh, what, where do people start with that? Well, I was just thinking, I'm going to answer your question. And this is part of it is that when you mentioned chaos, because we are witnessing that and experiencing that on some level, even people who feel like they're in a good place right now and they, they're not experiencing that extreme stress or overwhelm or we're all being touched by it because we're here. Mm -hmm. So in the oneness, if, if even one of us is stressed and overwhelmed and chaotic, we're all feeling the ripples of that. And so I find that the remedy to going into the chaos or getting submerged in the chaos or being taken over or overwhelmed by the chaos are these spiritual tools that we have, which the guides have referenced for many years, soul skills, right? We have these soul skills that we've carried with us. We've, we've definitely practiced and rehearsed this lifetime. They've been emerging, but we also have some, this is the good part. If karma you know, follows us through time, the kind that you don't want to revisit and have to deal with again. Well, you know what the, the good news is about this through time energy, energy can't be destroyed, only transmuted. Our soul gifts are traveling through time with us. So mm -hmm. if we've been a healer, if we've been somebody who had a deep connection with source or the Christ consciousness or the divine feminine through time, one of the easiest ways to connect through time with the gifts that are trying to find us with the skills that are trying to find us to re-empower us again is conscious breathing it is a first preparation it's our 
it's a spiritual pre preparation. It's a holistic preparation. It's like if you could have one food for the journey of ascension, I would say it's breath. It's prana. It's actually the life force we need. And not everybody can connect at that level. I can say earlier in my journey, I didn't have this language of, of breathing or meditation. I wasn't in those spheres of thought. That wasn't part of my consciousness at the time. But as I entered my own awakening journey, and I've been peeling back the layers of things I need to let go or other pieces that need to integrate or, or uh, you know, seeking to reconnect with aspects of myself that are pretty amazing, that are gifts through time, conscious breathing is our unifier. It's what unifies us with the life force we need. It's what unifies us with the higher consciousness that connects us to something more than all the chaos. If if the horizontal line of our lives is like linear time. And this is where we can get trapped in the myopic nature of just like reacting. This just happened. Well, now this just happened. And you can have multiple fires going on at one time. And that's kind of our world. Just, you know, if you just process that you heard something in social media or in the news that feels overwhelming, uh, in just another breath, there's going to be more of those kinds of little fires. So when we're trapped only seeing linear time, we're kind of pulled into a world that is calling us all the time to react, react, react. And that, we'll talk more about this, but it kicks into that survival mode, all those like mm. root chakra level of responses and reactions. And we feel like we were just tossed around on that linear timeline, not really going anywhere, kind of swimming with the fire, right? Well, conscious breathing is something that pulls you out of linear time. It's more where your divinity is and where there's like a peace that passes understanding. And it's something you may not feel at first. It might take a few days. And I, when I first started breathing like this, I had about two to maybe five minutes a day that I could take. But it's amazing what that two to five minutes can give you 24 hours of peace. It doesn't take a long time. So I spent a lot of time talking about conscious breathing because I do think if, if our chakras, if our root chakra has been so traumatized in this realm for so long, it doesn't take much to tweak that chakra and trigger us into looking through the lenses of surviving versus when you consciously breathe, you leave that linear time. Now your chakras are spinning in a whole other vortexual way and you're connecting with a life force and you can see, you just, people feel this in nature. A lot of people feel this when they get out of nature and they may not say this to themselves, but when they're out in nature, they're breathing. You know, maybe they're not having a conversation. They're actually just mm. in their own spirit and they're connecting with something deeper than what this world is telling them that they are and that this world is about. So for those of us that are here to be participants in the change, instead of being a participant in the chaos and the division, we need these other tools. They're going to lift us through another like otherworldly life force that isn't just from this 3D space that can only offer us more stress more ways in which we're not getting along, more ways in which there's conflict and, and unrest and cognitive dissonance even with ourselves. When we just take a few breaths, it's amazing. It's amazing how that heals. And it's true if somebody is had an injury, 
any, anytime I've been injured or if I'm not feeling well, if you just take a few deep breaths, sometimes you actually, it's because there's another kind of prana and life force that's filling you in that moment, almost cradling you in that moment and saying, there's another way. There's another way to see this. There's another way to be in this. And there's another way to transcend this. And we don't have to go into that conversation, but we are ending a trance transcend we're transcending a lot of these times and so that's just that's point number one preparation number one is conscious breathing um, but it's the portal through which we access all of our other gifts in the spiritual realm that we would need to you know deal with and transcend all the energies that are swirling about what 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 is it for you what is yeah, that? Well, while you're talking, like a couple of things came to me. One is is this idea that we're infinite, and and if we get so hung up on this idea of like this, like you know, the world around us and this experience and this lifetime and this body and this ego, that we're just really like definitely afraid to lose any of that. But if we can open to the idea that perhaps there's something more that will go on forever, you, when you said that like, energy can't be destroyed, it's like we can't be destroyed. We will just move on to something probably better than this, you know. Um, so it's like, you know, you don't have to rush this journey, but you can like allow it to do its thing and release it you know, release your worry about it, I kind of think is one thing. So that's like a change, you know, a spiritual change inside of you that sometimes it's hard to like make happen. A lot of it's about allowing and surrendering and letting go. And these are life lifetime uh, lessons and tools, right, that we have to work on sometimes. But ironically, we shouldn't have to work on them. We should let them go. Uh, after a while, it does get easy. Uh, the other thing that came to mind is this idea and I used to live in New Zealand for a while, and there's this might this thing called the mighty cowrie tree, this huge tree, the sentinel of the forest, and they're just they're just so rooted and grounded. And you know, the storm comes, and the tree will bend in the wind, and that's what we need to do during these times: to spiritually bend in the wind without breaking, and just really connect to the grounding of the earth and bring in that power, that stillness, I think, below us. And you can weather any storm because you're the mighty cowrie tree, right? We're not like, we're, they try to convince us we're weak and powerless and, you know, have no strength or connection to anything. And that's not true. So, uh, and we can, it's an exploration, but, you know, listening to podcasts like this and other stuff that Marie does allows us to find the breadcrumbs on that path to get to get back to that connection with you know god's horse creator so and like you just said is it cowrie how do you say uh, that cowrie cowrie i'm not even pronouncing cowrie. it right. oh i'm listening because I, I actually want to look it up because yeah i think another it starts example, with a K, so. not only do they have their roots but they're vertical so trees are connected with it's, like in a spiritual sense like a source above it has its canopy which is like its crown chakra and it's got its root chakra deep into the earth and that's the remedy but it's also kind of the the contrast to being trapped on linear time so when we make like trees like you just said <laughs> we're grounded both ways spiritually and then in the, the earth yep. and 
they are the connection from above and below, just like us. So it's K-A-U-R-I for anyone that wants to look it up. K-A-U-R-I. So. Yeah, I could feel that. And that helps. All these things helped having these metaphors, these tools. We could just put that one right there, that cowrie tree. And when we feel like we're about to get blown over by some kind of gale force winds, whether that's way outside of us in the political, you know, what's going on in the world and all the vibrational soup we talk about, or whether that's inside. Sometimes we've just been triggered and we've got our own gale force winds, you know, going off inside ourselves. And we can make like that tree and trees breathe. I mean, they're like living, breathing beings. And I think that's something to just call in, just like we might call in an animal totem to support us or empower us, or, you know, we might want the strength of lion or the clear vision of eagle or Mm. how we might call that. And we can call that strengthened from the trees. And I've actually felt that in this winter, you know, certainly here in the United States, we've watched all these storms. There's been a lot of, we've had a lot more snow or um, weather things going on and I've called on the trees around me and it's amazing it is amazing you can see the winds coming and they're blowing like yeah all of the and we I'm in a very foresty area so to witness that and it could be cold and blustery and like there's (laughs) there's a lot of energy to that and then but they're still and they're grounded in their roots and they go they let go and when you're not in that resistance Right. The storms it's just slow. pass through and yeah. another day comes and the sky is blue and it's pristine. And right after the storm, it's beautiful. The sun always comes out eventually. And I, I see that the, the trees are somehow nourished and fortified by moving through the storms the way they do. They're stronger after every one. That's us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I like what you said there too, is like the sun always comes out. So having faith in that and saying like, this is just temporary, you know, this too shall change, as they say, even when times are good, this too shall change, you know, so uh, life is a roller coaster ride. And uh, if you just are trying to hold on to the moment, you know, it's not gonna, you're gonna. (laughs) And that's where the breathing helps, because that intersection of linear time, and your spiritual infinite essence the breath is the unifier. So Mm. when we bring the breath in, we're bringing that infinite nature of ourselves into something that can be overwhelming. And so that's where we are. We can bend and sway in the breath inside ourselves where we don't attach to the trauma or painful events going on. And um, it's very powerful. I think that's also, I mean, that's definitely a phrase, power back to the people, right? Mm. There's those with agendas that don't want people having power again, because it's been very comfy and cozy in a world when many people are sleeping unaware of the narratives and the stories that keep people small. But that's also what's happening in these times is we're at the end of the story of humanity's smallness. We're meant to be so much bigger, so much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, that's a good segue into the the psycho-emotional levels of preparation. Mm -hmm. So we kind of hinted on some of them. Some of them are like tend to parallel the spiritual, um, you know, trials that we have in in our journeys. Um, I don't know if we should even split these into 
two separate ones, but I think we could probably do them together a bit. So you just brought up trauma and you just brought up, um, you know, kind of like being emotionally overwhelmed. So let's start with that. So, you know, like some of the work I do is actually helping people overcome trauma and limiting beliefs and fears by working energetically with them and their subconscious. And it's almost like we, we have all this baggage that we bring to the, the current moment. And part of our soul journey is to process all that so that we can be more present and more connected to, you know, the infinite, I think. And when we haven't dealt with our past and we don't have any tools to deal with the present, we just accumulate emotional baggage. That's why they call it emotional baggage, right? It gets really heavy and they start, you know, just like the airplanes, the first bag's $25, then it's 50. The third one's a hundred and it starts going up exponentially after that. So there's costs to not processing, but once you can process this lifetime and perhaps uh, previous ones, then you can deal with what comes to you much more easily. Uh, so I think we're heading into a very chaotic time where, you know, there's not a lot of time left uh, and things are getting kind of crazy in the world. Now is the time to do your work if you haven't started yet, or if you just start a little bit, you know, get serious about it. That's a good uh, reminder for myself as well. And everyone, right? Um, everyone needs that reminder, right? Yeah. Because I was talking to my partner the other day and she was referencing Joe Dispenza's work and he's got all this, a lot of good insights and the way he languages it can make it very clear. He talks about breaking the habit of being yourself, mm. right? And one of his messages apparently that I wasn't so aware of was he talks about this energy of familiarity and we can be addicted to familiarity. We can almost be addicted to the, the versions of ourselves that we know don't bring us joy that we know are the $50 bag, right? Or the $100, you know, bag or whatever, that baggage, it's pretty expensive to be carrying it around. And we didn't talk about this, but if we're talking about psycho, psychological, emotional, um, the aspects of where we are in our journeys right now, well, therapy, I mean, we, we can manifest all these things from our thoughts and the heaviness of some of these triggers and this pain and trauma that we're carrying around from this life or another lifetime. And how much do we spend on just trying to feel better from the baggage we're often still carrying, yeah. right? So we, we can spend a lot of money and still be right where we were right. if we do have that addiction to the familiar. And I think these times, which many refer to as the ascension times or the shift of the ages, this time of great change on the planet, it's designed to squeeze us just in the right places. It doesn't have to be, you know, globally all our whole body temple, right? Doesn't have to get squeezed, but maybe it's just our pinky toe that's the, the linchpin <laughs> to our greatest change. And the universe knows and our, our higher selves know and the baggage that we carry knows what's going to be the domino factor. What's going to be the thing that has to let go, surrender that pain, let go of those bags. And I often have used the metaphor of a hot air balloon. And, you know, we've seen those where they're, you know, they're grounded with the sandbags until it's time to launch. And then I guess they toss them overboard or in movies where there's some kind of drama going on. 
there, I forget the name of that movie. There was that great hot air balloon. I can't remember the characters anyway, but it was like a couple years ago and it released and they were like, it was a story about the first people who flew in these hot air balloons, right? And they were trying to go higher and higher. And then they got caught up in some pretty intense storms and they could have passed. So they had to think quickly on their feet. And they were, they were throwing all the heavy things out of that hot air balloon because they had to shift their position in the sky to get around the storm. Now, I think we're just really at a time of we've already let go of the easy sandbags to let go. So if there was some pattern or you wanted to give up some vice that you have, maybe you're like, I'm going to stop drinking coffee in the mornings. It'll be better for me financially. And maybe I don't need to have that every day. Maybe, maybe that was easy to let go. But then there's deeper things that like wed to attachments to the familiar and attachments to the pain that as much as many people will profess that they don't want that anymore. When it really comes time to like let the sandbag go, it mm-hmm. almost is, has, be, has been a part of their identity for so long. Yeah. They don't even have the words for it, but they don't want to throw it overboard. They don't <laughs> want to let it go because it's like a companion. It's become a good friend right, in our lives, the, the trauma and the pain and the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, those are companions in the journey that are private. We don't necessarily talk about that with people all the time, but all those versions of ourselves that show up in the thoughts and the ways we talk to ourselves, a lot of people haven't been ready until now to start to become willing to say, I think it is time for us to part ways. I think it is time to let this go. And all the emotional attachments, we can have a lot of eating behaviors around that, all the ways that we cope with our stress. And um, yeah, because we're not in that place of conscious breathing. We're not in that place of unity and wholeness inside ourselves. We're all these stories, if we have these characters that have like the label coffee on it or addiction or sadness or grief, or shame and guilt, we carry those around us. And those are characters in our stories. And we're the ones who has to realize, I think I'm moving into a new story and I'm being squeezed to move into a new story. And I don't think grief and sadness are coming with me. Mm. So there's almost like a departure. Like we have to be talking to them and saying, we're not going to be hanging out with each other so much longer. (laughs) And, and for some people, like I said, we've already tossed over the easy bags. A lot of people have, they've already sent said, Oh, I don't need that. Just like cleaning out your closet. You know, if you're cleaning out your garage, there's always those first obvious things that you're so grateful, like, Oh, that needs to go. But then you get down to like things that you've had for a long time. And even though you don't use it very often, you know, it might have sentimental value to you or whatever it is. You can't fully justify that it need that you should keep it. But part of you is attached to it and you're not ready to let it go. Even though if you did let it go, you'd have your space would be clearer. Everything would be neater. You'd feel better and lighter. We're now evaluating, I think, as a whole humanity those deeper things that is that murkier vibrations that are the deep stuff that is carried with us through lifetime the beat the deep stuff that's like self-worth issues self-doubt guilt some of the transmissions have been talking about maybe adam and eve's guilt and shame that we're carrying pieces of collectively of like i don't think i should have taken a bite of that apple Mm 
right? <laughs> uh, right? I, you know, and then look at what I've done to humanity because we made those choices. And then we kept feeling guilt and shame. And then we seeded that in our offspring. And now the world is carrying each a piece of that shame and guilt. It's really heavy stuff because wow. we were beasted and tempted by this biblical serpent. And we've been carrying that around. So, you know, a lot of these bags, some of them are simpler bags and they're not as complicated with the emotions and attachments we have to them. And then some of them are really complex and they thread to lots of other ones. And that's the part of us, like Joe Dispenza says, that we have to break the habit of being ourselves. We have to unwed, consciously uncouple. Somebody used that, that language before, right? We're consciously uncoupling. We don't even have to be angry. We don't have to fight the sandbags. We don't have to fight. Let them go. You we just have to let them go. And, and there's different ways to do that and different healers that can help people with that. Both of us are among them. But part of it is just acknowledging there is this bag in my life that I don't need to be carrying anymore. And that could be scary to admit, but there are people who will help facilitate that healing if you need some support. But just knowing that there are bags, we all have them and we all have to do the clearing of them one by one by one. And the nice thing is, is when you collapse some of the big ones, the other ones tend to fall away, right? It's not like you have like 10,000 bags. <laughs> Once you <laughs> open that closet door that they're all going to hit you in the head, you, you get some of the big ones and the rest are going to fall away. And that's been my experience again and again, but it's powerful and it's powerful to admit to ourselves. I'm the one who's having a hard time letting go. I've professed right. all this time that I don't want this drinking problem or I don't want to have the scarcity issue follow me any longer, right? I want to be in abundance. I want to have these things, but I'm the one that's attached to the thoughts that I have every day that travel with me all the time that let me know that I just can't have the things that I really desire. We have to be the ones that say, that say you don't need that passenger in your car anymore. You don't need that companion in the journey anymore. And it's you that has to walk your way out of that to say, in, with different tools and techniques and skills and things like that. But, you know, it is an awareness of, I am letting this go. I am consciously uncoupling. I'm, I'm unpartnering with my allegiance to these beliefs I have about myself and my life that I'm experiencing. So very powerful. It's powerful. This is deep stuff. It's not just the surface stuff anymore. It's the deeper <laughs> stuff. It's totally the deep stuff. You brought so many ideas there. I'm just going to point out a few and maybe throw a tool or two out so we can get some practical stuff in here. I think there's two things that kind of came to mind as what limits people from being able to let go of those bags. And one is we really have to learn how to cultivate safety. And um, so this would be a practical tool as well as the idea of meditation is an obvious one you hear about all the time. When I was in like going through like a nervous breakdown, I decided that when I'm meditating, I am safe. I am untouchable. Nothing. I created this little bubble of, I can let go of everything in this moment. And it was just a manufactured idea, but I created my own safety in that meditation. And so that is what made it really powerful for me. Yeah. And then I think another big limitation is people have like self-esteem issues where they're like, maybe I don't deserve any better than this, or maybe this is all that, that there is for me. 
And so that's where you, you get into stuff like self-worth and self-love, like a, like a self-love deficit, right? So how, so that's something that you can, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh yeah, that sounds like me, you can research, how can I love myself more? And just self-care and showing ourselves through little actions is one good way. Uh, and I'm sure there's a bunch of others, uh, but research that a little bit. And then, um, yeah, I think those are the, are the big ones. Can I say something to yeah, that? that it, it can be really simple, that self-care. And I was even given the language soul care. I think mm. self-care is, is definitely an aspect of soul care. We're finding our way back to soul care, that prioritizing that. But in a practical way, it can be simple little things. And I have this example that for years I was an athlete and I was doing all these things and you feel like you're going to be youthful forever, right? <laughs> and so at some point I could feel like my skin needed something different. And I connected with a friend of mine who um, sells these Arbonne products. But when I connected with her and there was this, I had never like, you know, a lot of people, I don't know, men and women, I guess, clean their face at night and have all these rituals, help the self-care, but I did not not in this area of my life or part of my body. So, cause I didn't wear makeup. So a lot of people who do things like that, they have to, they do have to tend to this mm. from a very, from an early age, but not me. So this was an aspect of self-care and soul care that I wasn't paying attention. It was like in a blind spot. Mm. And when I talked to this friend of mine and I ended up understanding a little bit more and I bought like this um, set of like five different things that come in it, but it, it, actually wasn't about the products so much for me, other than that I resonated with the ingredients in them and the consciousness of the company, which was another part of deeper in the soul, self and soul care. But something happened that when I washed my face every day, every day and every night, I was connecting with myself on a whole other level. And it sounds so simple, but if you do and you create that bubble like you did in meditation, whether you meditated for five minutes or 30 minutes, but creating these spaces for ourselves, what's the common element of what we've shared? It's being present. Mm -hmm. I'm present when I'm cleaning my face and I'm putting on, you know, the, the creams or the lotions or whatever in a way that I hadn't made time for and I hadn't brought my consciousness to that. And when I'm taking care of my face in such a very conscious way, I'm taking care of the rest of me in a conscious way. So mm -hmm. one intention flows to the rest of me. And that became something that I never planned it to be that way, but that once or twice a day, I'm having this very conscious connection with myself. And that is also nurturing the physical body, which are, we're gonna talk about the physical experience of these things, but that's another way that I nurture myself. And those two or three minutes, I take that time to be present like that, pays incredible dividends. Mm. So if somebody's dealing with scarcity or lack or low self-worth, something that's lacking inside us, right? Or I don't have the skills, just maybe washing your face and taking a few minutes. It can be that simple or brushing your place. teeth. Maybe not everybody washes their face like I didn't for many years, you know, other than in the shower, right? Yeah. But we all do things every day. So pick something that you do every single day and make it like a meditative practice when you brush your teeth, right? Yeah, like, or when I you take yourself. I'm showing, I'm showing that I love myself by caring for myself. Right, exactly, yeah. So I love that. I think that the two things you point out there is the presence is in the consciousness. This is what transmutes all these old emotions. So you have to have the safety and the self-esteem to say, I, it's, I'm worth it to do this work and I feel safe enough to do it. 
And then we, when we can sit in the presence with all this pain and all this, you know, like storms, emotional storms, it's hard. So it's a, it's a skill you develop over time. And that's why working with people can help bridge that gap. And that's why after you dump a few of those big bags out of the way, you learn to do it yourself. Nice. And what you're facing is a lot easier. Like, well, I faced all those big bags that now, I'm, now I can do this on my own. Nice. Um, so it's really powerful. Um, there's a little bit around the mental aspect that I want to get at just to make sure we cover this area thoroughly. I think information overload or hearing about the scary stuff going on in the world can be really traumatizing and make you very afraid and all this other stuff. So I'm trying to think of like a good tool for that. I, the first thing that comes to mind is go slow. So like if you're starting to learn about a lot of stuff and pay attention to yourself, you're like, oh, wow, I'm starting to get overwhelmed and scared. And this is triggering me. This will, this information will be there. I can do it slowly over time. And that's part of the preparation too, is that we can open up our minds to accept that the world might be different than we think. And some stuff might not be all rosy as we thought. And if we do it slowly and steadily, we build like a resilience to this so that when new information comes in, we're like, okay, I've dealt with all this other information. I can deal with this information too. And you're just adding like a Lego block on top each time. People that are just like unaware of what's going on in the world have a lot of Lego blocks coming their way, right? And that's why we're encouraging this preparation, start this process slowly, start asking questions of people that seem to know what's going on right now and, uh, and you can learn slowly, right? So. What I agree wholeheartedly with what you just talked about, and I also felt the energy of resilience. The more we prepare and do this work, we are growing and expanding a resilience inside ourselves uh, in ways that when you first start the journey, you don't have the language, you don't know that that's even possible, but you build it, you know, you grow that resilience by stepping up in your journey more consciously. And I, when you were talking about go slow, I've been saying to myself over the last few weeks, sometimes, and I think this is a message from spirit really, is we have to go slower to go faster right now. If we rush it and we try and push through things or push through avoiding things, whatever, when we're trying to speed up or we're taking in too much information when we're in the beginning of waking up, it can get overwhelming. So that pacing is important. And when we can take, when we take those conscious breaths, those also are part of the pacing process. And if instead of being like, oh my gosh, did you see this? And oh my gosh, did you see this? And we can almost go into a whirlpool with ourselves. Sometimes just taking a breath, if you notice yourself doing that about anything in your life where it's going too fast, breathing takes you outside of linear time and you can go slower to really read one or two or three posts or whatever it is that you're learning about. And you can take those parcels of energy in, and then you can actually go faster in your journey than if you go too fast and you get shut down. We yeah. don't want to go into shutdown or right, or where we go into burnout or anything that's similar to those vibrations. And the second thing I wanted to say is that I think it's, I wrote about it in my book, Cosmic Wealth, but something was streaming through at the time when I was writing that, and it's coming up right now, that we are, of course, energetic and vibrational beings and thoughts are habits and they're habits that we've practiced enough that we think that's who we are. But the beautiful thing about mm. habits is they can be changed. And if we think of anything that's in our life or any sandbags or any baggage trauma that's in our life, 
it's actually something that we've practiced, we've rehearsed, we've made a habit in the way we connect with it, or we try to avoid it, or we resist it, whatever that relationship is to that particular thing. We can talk to ourselves in moments when we're experiencing that, and we did it again, whatever that thing is. We, we can just be much more compassionate and saying, I was hearing about habits, and this is a big habit for me. And mm -hmm. habits can be changed. I don't even necessarily need to, I want to, I don't really want to use the language of breaking habits. Somehow that brings up tension. You have to break it. I think we just have to recognize that we've been participating in the relationship with the habit and habits can be changed. And habits then are at the level of thought and vibration. And that's where our power is. And so if we're breathing and we're aware that these patterns keep showing up and these habits, we keep living them out and doing them again and again, we get to a point where we can say, wow, I really do have a habit about that. And it's a habit I don't want to continue. Do you know what the difference is about living that habit every day and not living it? It's the choice. It's the choice that I'm not going to give life force with my thoughts, the mental, especially. And then with my feelings, I'm not going to empower that habit anymore. I'm going to either drive a different way to work. If there's something that, you know, you always go by the grocery store and you have to buy a certain kind of food or whatever it might be. Okay. So make a new path, go down a different road. You don't have to pass the place that gives you all the triggers and know that you're breaking the habit of being the older version of yourself that was wedded to that habit. Right. It's very empowering. Someone said, I don't know, was it Abraham Hicks? I think they said you can break a habit in 21 days. Have yeah, you heard some, that? some people think that um, I think it could be 21 to 60, but you know, it's different for every person. I think a lot of it depends on the emotions tied to it and, and like the rewards you're getting from having it. But um, mm. yeah, uh, I think, yeah, you know, making a choice to do something different or changing your focus on something more empowering uh, or you can, you can kind of say like, am I the kind of person that does this thing? Or like, I want to be, not be that kind of person anymore. I'll be a different kind of person. And then make the choices that line up with a different kind of person. Yeah, and that's exactly. where the discipline comes. I mean, you have to, you could feel the familiar calling you to walk down the street the same way. But if you're not that person, that kind of person, then, you know, sometimes all these things can just drop off because they're not in alignment with the new identity you've set for yourself. You're like, well, I'm not that kind of person. So, right. um, so that's like a shortcut to do it rather than the nice. hard way of <laughs> moving the willpower. So right. it's just to change your identity of who you think you are. Uh, but all this stuff is changeable, which is what's kind of what you're saying. And so, you know, on the, the planetary stage where we're all getting mad at each other, angry because we have different beliefs and different experiences, it's like, no, just like allow everyone to have their own experience. Truth is relative to their experience. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't have to like, you know, you can have your experience, they can have theirs. Uh, and that's the one thing we need to allow for is for everyone to have their, their own choices. Yeah. Cool. Do I move on to the physical? Yes, I just wanted to say one sentence. Oh, okay. that you just said it was it's very powerful. What you said is is making the choice to let other people have their experience, and then making the choice by freeing yourself up that you're not tangling into other people's choices. You can mm -hmm. let them have their sovereign beings. That's a big yeah. shift. They're sovereign, and so am I. So when we let them be sovereign, and we give ourselves permission to let them view things, value things, live things 
the way they want to. We're giving ourselves permission also in that process to be sovereign inside ourselves and our choices. So that conscious decision-making comes in there too, but it can be as simple as just making a different choice and you make enough of them and you're forming new habits in the direction of the version of you that you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the choices I just made recently was just, I just stopped watching TV and I started listening to podcasts and learning during that time. And that's actually a really great strategy too, for the psychological uh, preparation is stop watching the news. And if you're watching something that's, that's making you angry or having a lower vibration emotion that's a good sign that like they're just manipulating you and you really don't want to be watching this properly so um so that that's a very very simple thing we can do is just stop watching that stuff so stop participating yeah yeah Um, so good cool all right so physical is probably the easiest one because a lot of people think about this kind of stuff a lot but we'll try to bring some thoroughness to this so i want to introduce this with a few models so one is uh you guys might have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and so basically at the bottom of of this pyramid there's like a base and uh, that's all about like your physiological survival stuff like breathing food water sex sleep excretion these are like the needs we have just to survive the next level up is like safety so things like security of your body being protected uh, you know having a job um, family health uh, having safety in your property and then it kind of moves up to like you know self-esteem love and belonging and actualization which is like you know if you are wealthy and have all these other needs met you could be a poet or a philosopher because you've reached that you're free, you're free. You're so free. so we've lived in a world where we've you know, especially if you're in a, a richer country a western country you can self-actualize a lot and you can choose mm-hmm. to spend some time enjoying those things but we might you know be shifting into a world where we're back to focusing on survival for a while as systems change uh let's say you go to the grocery store and there's no food left anymore like happened at the beginning of the pandemic or there's no toilet paper all of a sudden you're concerned about these simple things again uh and it's not just like oh this might happen it's already happened and it is happening right now today so um so I think it would be wise to pay attention to that and get ahead of it uh, while you have time. So uh, so that's just a, a call to focus on that model. And then I also want to bring up another model, uh, which is like called the rule of threes. So you can survive for three minutes without oxygen, three hours without shelter, three days without water, and three weeks without food. And this really brings a focus on this survival it's like okay like we need clean water we need to plan for clean water do you have like what if the water stopped running do you or let's say there's an earthquake and all the water is not drinkable do you have like a five gallon container jug or something that you can fill up in your bathtub when you realize there's like a tsunami coming you know or can you have do you have a, a filtered water bottle for instance that you can if you are forced to like go camping, you have to drink out of streams and stuff, then you can use this, right? Um, do you have clean air and, you know, and are you willing to bring in those conscious breaths that we talked about at the beginning? Uh, so, you know, that's kind of like the first thing. And then, you know, the, the safety and, you know, um, protection of your shelter and then um, food is probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've thought a lot about 
what do you really need to survive, you know, whatever might come. Food is always the most important thing. I keep coming back to that. It's like, you think of all these million devices and gadgets and this and that and the other thing. It's all about food at the end of the day. So having uh, a stockpile and a plan for food for both you and your family and friends and community, because some people won't be prepared, right? So it'd be nice if you could be over-prepared. Um, when I think about food, it's great for for surviving, first of all, it's great for bartering as well to trade because people, they don't care about, you know, their worthless dollars anymore. They, they like, I need food, give me some food. Basics. Yeah, the basics. It's like, I need food and water and shelter. And so, um, you know, so with the food thing, uh, well, I'll get into some stuff that I've chosen to kind of stockpile and like how yeah. I go about that. I want to mention one other thing about shelters, just buying like a, a, like a, like a sleeping bag and like a real cheap tent, you know, on Amazon or something. Right. It's like, it's so simple. doesn't cost that much. And then like, you have like a mobile shelter that you can bring with you. Right. So that's an example. Or if you live in a place that's really cold and the heat goes out, you can get in your sleeping bag and, Set your tent even inside, right, <laughs> or whatever, right? Provides extra levels of of that shelter uh, safety. So, anyway, so I'll I'll turn it over to you for a minute, and then we'll go deeper. Great, food, so. I loved everything that you said, and it is it's, there's the very physical, tangible things we talked about. The more etheric, the breathing, and and habits, and choices, and all those other types of soul skills that are more in the ethers and energetic and then there's the practical there's the actual practical of having prepared tools and i think this was in some transmissions in the last year or two but noah of the biblical noah was the ultimate prepper right mm -hmm. he, he was preparing i'm sure he didn't just put all the animals and his family on the ark he had to probably think about food and water he was thinking about those things i'm sure if that was us today First of all, it's a big step to build the ark. And then the next step is to think about if, if everything's going to get flooded out and you could, and the, and the ark only handles so much weight, it's just same thing as the hot air balloon. Like what's vital that, you know, is a first preparation item that you would need to have. And whether people use that biblical character of Noah and they can relate to that, or just think about the many storms. We've had some storms where we were without power for several days. We have, I lost power for two days recently in, in the last month or two. And it, it was on a, a really cold period of time. And, you know, you think, oh, it's going to be fine. The lights and everything's going to come back on, but like dinner comes and there's no way to cook anything. And, and over the years, <laughs> we've had that happen enough times we even experienced an ice storm back in the early 2000s here, and that ice storm shut down gas stations. So if your tank of gas in your car wasn't filled up the night before the storm hit, there was no gas for about two weeks, which means wherever you were, you weren't going anywhere because you couldn't drive far enough to get away from where the storm had hit. So we were sequestered in our house with no heat, nothing and you, you get through, but it took actually the kindness of neighbors. Some had power just a few, you know, a few blocks away and we were lucky or they had a fireplace, I think. Mm. And we came together and shared resources, which I think is also wow. gonna be a hallmark of this time. But since I, I've lived through that enough times and I'm, I'm also from New Jersey, and some people might remember, but New Jersey, Ocean City, New Jersey was, took a direct hit from Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. 
I mm. wasn't living there at the time that that happened, but I had family who was, and they were evacuated off the island. And what that storm did is it flooded out the island. And so everybody watched the news coverage because the news hypes it out and shares those things. But then they don't continue to tell the story of what happened to those people. And that's very true of lots of the storms. You know, we get the big news story and then they move on to another story. But meanwhile, those people are still trying to put their lives back together. And I saw in that scenario, people didn't have good water because the, the bay and yeah. the ocean met, you know, and the island was underwater. And so I heard that after that experience, some people bought these big, not just like five gallon water jugs, you can buy these, I don't know what they're called, but they're big water containers that you would kind of leave in your garage if you have a garage. So there's all different kinds of ways to prepare if you've experienced any of this, or if you're just somebody who's a camper who like goes out and connects with nature, you know what you pack when you go camping and the things, the supplies you need to go have that experience. It's kind of like thinking like a little bit of not long, long-term camping, but interim camping. And you might want to have a fire pit or yeah. matches or extra mm -hmm. batteries for your flashlights. And I have to tell you, I could, I, this could get long-winded, but I'll say um, when we lost power for two days, a couple months ago, you know, it's kind of fun. Like the first couple hours, you just bundle up and you're like, well, this is fun, this little adventure. You know, eight hours go by and you're like, okay, it's a little cold in here. And and by, you know, 12 to 24 hours, you're like, this isn't really funny anymore, right? And you have yeah. to start going and looking around your house. And I have extra batteries. I've been preparing, but you know what? I was not prepared. I don't have a map and a list of where things are. So mm -hmm. when it went dark, and I'm like, we, I'm sure we have all of our flashlights, right? I couldn't find them. Matthew, mm. I could not find them in my house <laughs> when all of a sudden I was like, wow, because the electric company had said, we expect your power to be back on within the next couple of hours. Well, it had been like eight hours. And as I, I wasn't paying attention, but of course the sun goes down earlier in the winter. And I was like, it's getting dark and I can't find my flashlights. That wow. was a reminder to me that you can have all the supplies, but if you don't know where you put them, that's not helpful. Yeah. So all these things are things we're learning from ourselves to say, we have to be more conscious. And with taking a few deep breaths, that's what I did because it's getting darker, the lights going out of my house. I had my phone, so I had the light on my phone, but I didn't have much of a charge. We were all sharing um, <laughs> whatever that battery pack was that we could charge off of it. For yeah, right. Right. And we all had like 10 or 20 percent. Then we'd have to pass it to the other person just so we could have a little bit. If I had used my light on that, it would have drained my phone. And that's another choice you have to make. So being prepared means you don't have to make those choices. You don't have to be in the OK, well, I, am I going to want my phone in case I need to call someone or do I want light so I don't trip over things in the house and I can figure out a way of how I'm going to feed my family tonight at dinner when there's no power? Being prepared means you can be calm in the chaos, right? Being prepared means you have uh, divine prana flowing through you and life force and guidance when the linear world is just going to offer you more fear and maybe shame or, oh, I can't believe I wasn't prepared. I was feeling a little bit of that. Like, I know I have flashlights and I can't find them. And I did find them. But you know what I did after we got power a couple of days later? I went to, you know, the big box stores or whatever, and I bought a three pack of flashlights and I have, you know, put them in a place where I know for sure where those are, because you need those to get to anything else yeah. in a situation like that. And I hadn't prioritized that before.
Yeah, lots of lessons we're learning because we haven't had to be these pioneers in generations, right? Like you said, some of us in the Western world haven't had to forage and hunt and gather our food. It just shows up in the store and we spend a little bit of money and it's always there. Well, that's the illusion we've been living in, but we may have to route to, you know, preparing and having the resources and the food supplies we need or medicines. I don't think you brought up medicines or if you have pets, if, you know, something happened and it was two to three weeks before power got restored. And I can tell you it happened in Ocean City. I think it happened to the people with Katrina. I think it happened to people. I don't know where exactly that was in Texas, but in the last year or so, they had that massive Mm snowstorm or ice storm or something and they lost power and it was hard i saw people on the social media um sharing what the media was no longer covering it's the aftermath it's what do you do when you're the one in that situation and no one's coming you either work together with your neighbors and you share resources or you get yourself prepared ahead of time and we're kind of in a time of this flickering these weather changes and all these happenings so Tangible resources, very important. Yeah, you brought up like a zillion things there. And having gone through it, you can really see like where the holes are. So this is an opportunity to go back to the psychological preparation. Maybe you can close your eyes and imagine what if the power was out for like three days? What would I do? What the internet went out? What if it never came back on, (laughs) you know? Right, what if it doesn't come back? Yeah, and the other thing is like, we're facing global challenges right now we were like okay well this little area got hit but the rest of the country will help out and we'll all figure it all out but what's the whole world all of a sudden has a, a traumatic all at event. one time all, all at one, one time. time then it's like what do you do and this uh, raises issues of security too so learning some self-defense um you know some people like to have weapons i'm not someone that likes to do that but i'm like well i'm willing to tase someone so i got myself a little stun gun right? But I'm not willing to do anything more than that. I just want to disable them and get away, you know. So we all make our own personal decisions on that front. But having some sort of protection, because when no one has food, people are desperate. And they'll come to your, you know, location and look for food and and whatever. Foraging, right? It's another level of foraging. Uh, You brought up community, which is another huge preparation. Now is the time to... Meet people in your community, meet the local farmers if you can at the farmer's market, do different things, talk to your neighbors if you haven't already. And, uh, you know, if you're prepared and you're calm and you have a plan, then these people will will follow you because you're like thought ahead and you can help keep the people around you safe, right? So that you don't have those security issues. Uh, you talked about all the great stuff around the house, like, you know, how are you going to cook? Uh, you have your flashlights, right? Where are they? Uh, the battery's been changed. Do you have a first aid kit? So these are all like the simple practical things. I like even thinking about backup methods of cooking. So like, yes. like I have electric in my house, but my stove is gas. That gives me some resilience because I have oh. two different sources. So I could like cook in my instant pot with electric or I can cook on the stove with gas. So if one goes out, the other might still be going. What happens if the power goes out and all the food in your fridge starts rotting, right? <laughs> you know, or things like that. that. Right. And that's why you want the non-perishables. I don't think we've used that word, those words, but it's yeah, we'll talk about food, food and little, some ideas. And I'll ask for your ideas too. I also got uh, like an electric kettle, which is interesting because you can like heat water and maybe make oatmeal sort of out of that, nice. like different things. Uh, yeah. That's just, a gap. I don't have that. Yeah. Uh, or like you have a hot beverage. 
I got a little electric uh, generator that like you plug in and it's good for powering like the small devices like you had and yes. it's got a solar array so I can actually recharge this thing, recharge my electric kettle and then yes. cook, have hot water at least if I wanted to. Ooh, I love those when it's like multi-purpose, right? It can do yeah. different things. That's awesome. Maybe it'll pitch our tents. Um, <laughs> having like a, like an atlas or a map in your car, like you mentioned, keeping Paper your car. Maps. It's like how yeah. people get, we rely on all of our devices, but if, the, if there was a time where there were cyber attacks or whatever it might be, and all that goes down, right? Right. Keeper products like that, things that are tangible that you can look at and see. Yeah. And then you have a plan, write down addresses and phone numbers of people in case you need that. Um, you know, uh, fill your gas up when it gets to halfway. And we'll talk about that for financial reasons as well. Yes. Uh, so, so these yep. are some of the practical things. I also want to take a moment to say that there's a stigma about being a prepper or whatever. Like, it's like, who cares what the stigma is if you can, you know, have what you need to survive in an emergency. It should be a badge of honor. It should be an amazing thing that you've had foresight, but you don't have to get crazy about it. You could just be like, I don't have to be in fear. This is coming from a place of, uh, you know, like, like providing for myself and creating security, a bubble of security and safety for those around me. Um, so oh, a different energy that you can come to this instead of being like my, like a, like a hermit sitting at home, like worried all the time that, you know, the, the world's ending, you don't have Eye to is falling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, with these supply chains, disruptions and inflation, those are reasons to prepare ahead of those things. So we'll talk about that more, um, you know, with the food. So do you want to get into the, the food stuff? I want to get bit? into the food, but I just want to bring up okay. one yeah. example. And I, I love characters and stories. And if they're biblical mm. characters, sometimes they're the great, great teachers. And Joseph and the Joseph King of Dreams with the Pharaoh having that dream. I don't know all the details of the story, but I know enough that I think the Pharaoh was having a dream and he didn't know what it meant. And Joseph, people had recognized when he was, I think, in jail, he was in prison or enslaved in some way, but someone knew that he was a dream interpreter. That was one of his gifts. And so the king or the pharaoh sought him out. And in the end, he decoded the dream and there was gonna be seven years feast, seven years famine. Why do we have all these stories in these biblical texts of preparation? It's because the cycles of time, the seasons of time and the cycles of events happen where people had to prepare. And if they didn't put away in the seven years of feast, right, where they were abundant, that seven years of famine that was coming was going to be a lot harder, and there would have been a lot more death, probably, a lot more suffering. So by a little bit of preparation where they put together from that awareness, the dream came, the interpretation of the dream, and a plan and a preparation was put in place. And by doing that, I don't know how many, how many miles out people would come but they would come to get their grains. They would come to get their rationed amount. And a lot of people got through that experience because they did those things. And that's kind of, everybody was laughing at Noah until <laughs> it started raining, right? right yeah. And everybody was, I don't think they laughed at the king because you probably would have been killed if you did back then because he <laughs> was the ultimate prepper in that moment. But that's us and we can choose how we view ourselves but i like being prepared because i know many of us are here for all the new amazing higher vibrational living that's on the other side of these times and yeah. i'm not attached to that but i am aware that i feel like i'm a spirit and a soul in form that's a rebuilder 
And if we're here mm-hmm. to be part of that rebuilding and to experience all the gloriousness of that, we've certainly been experiencing like the end times of the old cycle. Now we're birthing the new, which you said in the very beginning, it's a t- yeah. very pregnant time. And there's these birthing waters. So I just wanted to say that biblical story is they could have shrugged off that dream and said, eh, whatever, right? Guidance was coming. And if people have bounced into a podcast like this and they haven't thought about these things, this is guidance. You don't have to take our word for it, but you can listen for consideration and see if any of this is relevant to you. And if you'd like to have some tools, some resources, some preparation uh, things that you're putting into place so you can be a calm in the storm instead of adding to the chaos around you. That's the choice that, that we may see in our lifetime. Were we able to be a calm presence in the storm or do we contribute to the fear? I love that, that last part that you, like, if nothing else, you don't want to be a burden on those around you or add to the chaos. So that's, you mm. know, if, even if you just do it for that, that's worthwhile. Um, and also your story talks about, you know, like, yeah, the grains, right. And like, you know, having the food prepared. So it's a perfect lead into this next part. Okay. So one thing, it's pretty easy to stockpile carbohydrates, but like it's hard to stockpile like meals or like things that have a balance of protein, carbohydrates, fat, have good nutrition in it. And so, um, you know, I have a, a nutritional therapy, uh, you know, certification. So I'm always thinking about like, how can I eat healthy and prepare? Cause you can buy like these big tubs of like food that are supposed to last like 25 years. I'm like, what's in those that stuff? I'm not sure. You don't know they're in the bin, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to think of what's the ultimate like food that you can stockpile that lasts a long time that you can make without cooking or without refrigeration that has a balance of protein, carbs, and fat. And actually- Wow, like I'm on the edge of my seat. What is it? What is this thing? So it's coconut chia seed pudding. So this is my big tip for everyone. So you get a can of coconut milk and you get a half half cup of chia seeds and you just mix it together. And then you just let it sit, maybe covered uh, preferably in the fridge. It'll gel really well in the fridge. But I think it would still work even if you don't have the fruit refrigeration. You put it outside if it's the winter. Um, stir it up, and basically the, the the chia seeds gel and and get all gelatinous, and they mix in with the coconut. And it's got a ton of fat. The chia seeds have a ton of protein. They have omega threes in there. Yeah. They have new, new like various other minerals and nutrients and stuff too. And then there's some carbohydrates in there, not a lot, but a little bit. And then you can, if you want to, you can put in something to flavor or sweeten into like a little bit of maple syrup or some mm. blueberries or like if you have something like that, but if you don't have it, you can certainly survive on, on this. Right. So you can get a couple of cases of coconut milk, a couple of big bags of chia seeds. That'll go a really long way uh, to keeping you uh, alive so and good. healthy for a while. So that's, that's one of my big tips. Uh, I also like protein's the hard part. So like I have a bunch of protein powder and collagen powder uh, that I've like stockpiled. And then you can mix that in with like oatmeals, uh, or you can mix that in with um, other stuff. Like the collagen can be mixed into like broths and soups and adds a lot of like um, amino acids to it and, and, and um, you know, basically stuff to help repair your body. So, so that's pretty powerful. Also akin to kind of like an MCT oil or coconut oil. It's nice to store some of those things too. 
Absolutely. So the fats, you got you named two really great ones there, and then you can do some uh, extra virgin olive oil as well. Uh, almond butter is good and super tasty and fun. You know, when if you're you're like, okay, there's no food at the grocery store, but I have all this almond butter. Everyone's gonna look love you. You're like, yay. Meanwhile, people are eating (laughs) plain pasta by itself. And you're like, yeah, I got almond butter. Uh, For the protein powders, I really love Vital Whey Vanilla because it's sweetened with stevia. So it actually can sweeten like your oatmeal and sweeten your stuff. And then the collagens, you can just do like um, Garden of Eden, I think it is, or Garden 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 of Life. Of Life, yeah, Garden of Life. And then there's another one, the the most popular one is that blue one. I forget that is uh, vital yeah. something or other. Yeah, Anyways, those so are good. Different. It was so important. And something that we haven't said, we're talking is like just one person. But if you have children or spouse mm-hmm. or in-laws or pets, you can just make your picture a little bigger if you're Absolutely. thinking about preparing for that number of people in your immediate family, right? Yeah, the pets is a little easier to do, but yeah, then kids are going to be like, I don't want to eat any of this stuff. So you have to think ahead. Uh, so uh, rice and beans, black beans and rice, uh, especially if you get a lots of big dried beans, those will last forever. You soak them overnight. You can cook them in like an instant pot or something or on a stove. Um, I love as a grain choice quinoa because it's uh, really high in protein. So quinoa is a, is a good one. And then oatmeal is kind of good. And if you have that, sweetened protein powder with stevia then it's not doesn't have any sugar in it or anything but makes the whole thing taste sweet you know so this is totally random but i'm going to go out there on a limb because i think it's worth saying um my partner worked as a psychologist in the prison system for many years and there were some there were men in the prison serving time in their sentences but one of them in particular, I've heard his stories of the cooking he would do while in prison, right? And the creativity you have to take something that if melted down, it becomes this other form, right? And <laughs> you could use it. And so he has some recipes. I think he was even going to publish like a recipe book of how to use maybe uncommon ingredients, like a stand-in for the more standard ingredients and you get creative. So if you have some of these staple ingredients, you will get creative about how you mix and match and how that sweetens that and that helps that. And and the more you prepare, the less you might be facing either going outside, like I've heard in my area, we have, well, we do, we have an abundance of chickweed. I don't know if you know about chickweed, but it grows in abundance here, like a weed, but chickens eat it, right? Mm. As a source of nutrition. And so, you know, if people haven't prepared, that's gonna be something they're gonna be thinking about is what's out in nature. <laughs> Right. Some people buy seeds. Um, that's yeah, nuts and seeds, seeds for a garden. Nuts and seeds, definitely. And and just being oh, and, aware. And see, plantable seeds is what you're saying. Plantable right? seeds, right? So yeah. that you can grow some of your own things. Some people may be thinking about exactly what is that called? Not urban gardening, but urban homesteads. Or there's a whole movement about that. Some people are already feeling that energy of being self-sustainable. I guess. Yeah, I, I got a book on how to plant a like a garden on a quarter acre and like grow all these really easily it's amazing what people can grow and if you have i've seen i don't have any of them those planters that go up right Right. it's it's, you're gonna have to have a lot of space i think you can make potatoes just by cutting a potato up and throwing it in dirt and it grows 
I've, I've uh, done that before. Yes, it does. It, they, they GMO they, all the stuff and irradiate them and stuff. So you'd have to probably get like an organic potato or something, but yeah. You know what it's called? It's called heirloom seeds. Yeah. So definitely look into that. And one other thing. So the stuff we're talking about is kind of short-term preparation, but longer term, there's a really great group uh, called the Greater Reset. So they're taking the Great Reset and saying that we're going to make this awesome. And they're all about, uh, they just did a, a huge five-day conference. All the videos are free on uh, their website, thegreaterreset.org, uh, on Odyssey and on uh, some other places as well. Mm -hmm. So they talk about, you know, like things, longer term things like getting your own land, you know, growing your own right. food and pretty much getting out of the reliance on uh, the current like kind of fascist test technocracy system that is every day looking more and more likely to say either are in it or you're out of it right, right. so uh so if you don't want to be in that with all the the you know like the uh stipulations that they put on you uh then you have to learn these old skills and these old things that maria was talking about right. that we've all forgotten how to do Right. Um, and that's another huge preparation I want to mention too is skills. So invest in your skills, invest in learning things, um, invest in like, yeah, learning how to do things other than swiping Instagram on your phone. That's not a skill. It's like we need to know how it's to do behavior. Do, yeah, right? it's behavior. Uh, working on your physical body too. Like if you're going to end up in the hospital because you're like, this is something I'm working on. Like I'm kind of gotten overweight during this last year or two. And it's like, I need to get myself to a very resilient fit place so that I don't have the extra uh, level of um, stress or a lack of resilience, you know? Uh, I wanna be resilient in that area. And I wanna be metabolically adapted so I can burn fat. And I won't like, if I, if I don't have a bunch of sugar and carbs on hand, then I'll, you know, be like, oh my God, like <laughs> the store open is you know like can i go out right. to eat right now uh, or learning how to cook for yourself that's a great skill like if you don't know how to do that then skills you... skills and learning maybe that creativity around a a fire pit in the backyard yeah you know, that, like cooking camping type foods and and being resourceful these are the things that are going to come back to us because i also think we've given our power that's a lot of what we're talking about we've yeah. given our power to a system that may not be for the greater good of all and right. when you empower yourself by some skills, not just for your family, which helps you with the preparation, the calm and the storm, but you could help a neighbor. They might not know how to like, um, make you, we see people, they made fires from like, you know, um, rubbing sticks together. Rubbing I don't know how you, together, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there's things that can make that easier in the preparation. Right, yeah. Flint, right. You can, we have those luxuries. Or even those little like, you know, like lighters with, you know. Right. Yeah. all these things but or matches uh, like you said yeah, matches exactly i think there the time matches to... one time that like will light even if the wind is blowing right there's mm -hmm. when you get into looking at some of these things it's fascinating that other people were thinking about this and created those products few people are looking that direction still but i think it might be a good idea Absolutely a good idea. <laughs> um, so the one last thing with food, I've, I've talked about more of the healthier stuff, but like if you're into like gluten and bread and stuff, learning how to cook, there's some old, like really old, tiny, like you're talking about these old recipes, like making like no, no rise bread or like all Isn't these it like manna? Things. What was manna? I don't know. You like mix a bunch of stuff together and let it sit outside for like a day. And then it just like cooks. Right. You know, no need bread, I think it's called as one, oh, but there's right. other ones, but 
Um, yeah, and be creative. Look for things that last. And then the last uh, point here too is have a bit of an organization to this. So like I was just going through like I bought a bunch of stuff over like seven or eight visits, and then I went through and reorganized everything. I'm like oh wow, like some of my almond butters already approaching expiration. So you want to make sure that yes. you move that to the front and use it. And now I can just go buy one and not look like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> and I put it at the back and I keep using it, <laughs> right. front, you know, so, and then I'm ready. So you get a little bit of a system with yourself, yeah. but that yeah. is true. I wasn't paying attention to expiration dates quite like I have grown to, cause I've seen a lot of food expire and that that's disappointing when you've spent the money and then it's, it's stale basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Any other uh, food or physical tips? Or are you ready to move to financial? I think we'll go to finance. I think there's probably lots of things, but I would say, like you mentioned some brand names of some of the things, the protein powders or whatnot. If people, you know, they might, they might have to get over their hangups about like, I'm going to type in some prepper words that they don't want to know themselves <laughs> as a prepper. You just got to dive in and, you know, you could certainly go to like, online the big amazons and all of that or you can there's actually like prepper companies and they've yeah. distilled it down for you and they run sales or whatever if you look into that and there's there's many companies it's not just one so you can look there, at that there's also a, a i'll throw a shout out to wild zora they have these packets of paleo freeze-dried organic food they're really expensive i have to warn you like 12 dollars for, oh, for a, a meal, meal. But you can right. basically pour hot water in there and you got a healthy, awesome uh, nice. meal. They'll do 10, 20% off sales once in a while if you wait for those. But you get on yeah, list. so that's like a good conscious company that's doing, you know, quality food, but it costs a lot. So if you're, if you're trying to, you know, create a whole stockpile, it might be a bit much. So, but like Trader Joe's has some really good deals on like, you know, black beans in a can and things like that. And uh, so, yeah, so you can certainly do this on the cheap. Um, yeah. And if you are fine with eating spaghetti and pasta, you know, you can certainly do that route. But I've thought of over the years, too. I don't know what it's called, but it's certainly cast iron. If you're going to mm. have a fire pit, you want a couple of pots, at least that can yeah. handle fire like that. And a lot can't of our modern cookware. I love that. So cast iron. Wonderful. You want to like think like the olden days, at least the, you know, horse and buggy days. <laughs> where you know they had to just pull over on the side of the road with their horses and cook up a meal right, right. and it had to cook on an open fire they didn't have microwaves or all the fancy things that we have so if we if you think like a pioneer if you think like a native american if you think about people that for centuries and the biblical times too manna i'm sure they did things that they didn't have to I don't know if that one, I tried to make that once and it was a total flop. I did it as a homeschooling experience and my kids were so creeped out. They still listed as one of their traumas instead of a what? success story. It, it got all mushy. It almost kind of like liquefied inside. It, it didn't go well. So, but, you know, it makes me think about what is man and I should probably pull up a recipe for that to, to maybe have those ingredients in the future. But think about the, those who have gone before us, who had to live through times like these and what were they cooking and how were they living? And that can help us. At least it gives you a starting point. And now we have the great wide internet and you can go and find these companies with a couple of search words at your fingertips or, or recipes. And, and more recipes, exactly. And it ships to your door. At least there may be some delays still because of all the container ships, but 
again, that's part of the preparation is being aware of yourself in time and space right now with all these changes. And if you have a thought to get something, seize the day basically, right? Yeah. It's and practice these things before you have an emergency. Before you need them. Before you need them. You're like, yeah, it's like the fire drill, right? It's like, okay, where are my flashlights? Even though you don't need them right now. So. Right. That's Marie's homework. So. Exactly. That is <laughs> my homework. <laughs> cool. Well, let's get on to the last uh, major section, which is finance. This is what I'm really excited about. And I think we're facing a huge economic catastrophe in this, uh, in this world. Basically, what's happened is, uh, well, I'll just give like a little like, like history lesson. So the, uh, at some point in the world, the uh, powers that wish they were, whatever you want to call them, created these central banks. And basically, they gave themselves the ability to print infinite amounts of money that weren't really backed by anything. And then uh, they used countries like the US uh, with weapons and stuff to say that everyone has to have a central bank. So whenever you hear about these weird conflicts in places like Somalia and stuff that you like, what's going on there? Why are we there? What's going on? It's like, no, we're making them take a central bank system is pretty much what we're doing. And we're uh, also like creating stability around oil prices and things like that. So uh, we're not being the good guys necessarily at all. Right. Uh, so That's part of the awakening, but yes. Awakening. So what happens with any kind of, it's called a fiat currency. It means it's just backed by the faith of a, of a country. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the U.S. Federal Reserve note is the U.S. Uh, currency. And it's also called the petrodollar because it's basically all oil has to be traded in U.S. dollars. So we become the, the reserve currency of the world. So the reason that the U.S. is so wealthy is that we're very close to the source of all that. And so we benefit. So the people really close, like the bankers make a ton of money, but, but just being close to, the, to these systems keeps you wealthy. And if you're on the other side of the world and you're really far from that, you're going to be really poor. And so there's no reason that we all can't be wealthy on this planet, uh, but then that would take power and wealth away from the few that have pretty much gotten it. So, so what's happened over this time is um, whenever they print money, they lend it to these governments. So over time, it's 100% guaranteed that it will impoverish the entire world. Mm. And it's basically like a loan shark. So it's like, well, why can't we print our own money and not like have you lend us money that you just made up out of thin air? Right. So when you can get to that point, that's that's the problem we're in. So now the entire world is in this problem where uh, every country is really actually bankrupt and all the people are poor uh, or about to be poor. And so they're printing more money to cover up the problem. And then that creates inflation, which is there's more money chasing fewer goods and services. So the price of the goods and services go up. And at some point, the money becomes meaningless. It's like, no, I need the food. I need this. I need that. So what these uh, banks and billionaires and globalists and big companies have done is they've taken all that money that they funneled to them. And then they've gone and bought all the real assets of the world. Like Bill Gates has bought up all the farmland. Mm. It's like, yeah, that's the most important asset of the world is the actual land. And especially ones that produce food. Uh, they buy up with water rights all over the world. They buy up all the houses with, you know, through like BlackRock and it's stuff. It's like and Monopoly, they're... only they're the only yeah. ones buying. 
they're the only ones buying because they funneled all the money. Uh, in the meantime, the purchasing power of the Federal Reserve note in the U.S. has dropped by like 98%. It's happened over a century. Uh, but now we can, that's why everything costs so much. And we think like, oh, my house is worth a lot. No, it's like, Look it's at what like you're paying you, for it. You need more dollars to buy the same house. So before, uh, between like 1760 and 1913, when the first central or the, the current central bank was established, there was five to 6% inflation over hundreds of years. Now we've seen just, you know, complete decimation of the purchasing power of the people. So this inflation is real. Uh, they keep lying about it, but it's real. It's here and you can now see it for yourself. You go to the gas station, you see it. meat's gone up 20, 25%, uh, you know, but wages aren't keeping up with it. So, so this is what's going to lead to a lot of that civil unrest when people are like, I can't feed myself and my family anymore. I can't afford to buy the, the things I want anymore. Squeeze, what's going on? Squeeze is coming. Yeah, we're being squeezed. And uh, the first rule of being a parasite, which these people are, is you don't kill the host, but they've gotten so greedy and so hungry for power that the only way out for them is the totalitarian control of everyone in the world and tell us that this is the way it is. And the people are like, you know what? We like, we don't want it that way. We right. want it a different way. Can't we do something else? So, uh, right. so that's and they have names of, for those outliers, which we don't have to get into and say, but they have names for those outliers that begin with conspiracy theorists. That's just the first step. But then there's the harsher yeah. words for people who are not interested in playing into that system and who just simply want to grow some lettuce on their own land, right? I think even in yeah. places they tried to outlaw that and you couldn't grow your own food. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're trying to make it illegal to not participate in their system on the fringes and they just keep moving the, moving the, uh, the yardstick. So right, right. people are starting to wake up to this and say, you know what, why don't we like stop trusting you and they want to bring about a central bank digital currency. It's like, no, you've completely ruined all the other currencies and we don't want one where you can track and cut off our money anytime you want. So, uh, so that's the problem that we've reached here. So how do we prepare for this when you know that every day your dollar is worth less, but not just like a little bit less, like over 20 years, it's worth less. Now it's, it might be worth less tomorrow or next week or a month from now, it might be worth 10% less or what if it's worth, you know, half what it was. So, right. so when faced with this, we have a couple of things, investing it in like <laughs> something that's just like, I need more US dollars or running out to work really hard to make more US dollars. Those are kind of worthless, right? Because they're going to be, they're going to be worthless. You know, by the time you get paid, you can't really spend it on much, right? So it's like a shrinking hamster wheel that doesn't yeah. really go anywhere. So one of the first things you can do with face with inflation is learn from history. So look at like what's happened before, look at places like Venezuela and Turkey right now and see what they're doing and how they're dealing with it. Uh, that's always good to see what it's like. Uh, the second thing is buy now, don't buy, don't wait, fill up your tank now, uh, go to the store and stock up now because you're investing. You might get a 20% return on buying everything you need for the next year right now. There's really like little risk at all. Uh, because you're investing in front of this obvious inflation, which is here. So you're guaranteed a really great return on that, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah, think about what would I need for the rest of the year? Anything that needs to be replaced? I need more toothbrushes, soap. Right. You, even your car soap. maintenance. If you know that you need an yeah, oil yeah. change and you put it off, it's kind of the time to get that done. 
so that you have another yeah. three to five thousand miles. Yeah. If you want a new car, now is definitely the time. I wouldn't do that, but right. because they, they can't make them anymore because they don't have the chips anymore. And uh, the other thing is that you might not be able to get the things that you want to buy very soon here. Uh, I just had that experience. A car had to go in the shop after an accident. And they were saying to me, you know, the, oh, what, what make and model of your car? And they said, oh, you're lucky because of what we had. And they said, but if you had these brands, you had these makes, you'd been sitting and waiting. And, and mm. um, all, so, you know, the, the people on the front lines dealing with this, they know the parts aren't coming in. Yeah, and the public is not quite buying it yet. Like they haven't quite panicked yet, but they they will notice very soon. Uh, part of this is geopolitical issues with China. They're 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 circling their wagons. They've they've taken in all of the intellectual property and they've taken in all the building of everything in the world. And we keep outsourcing all that to them, and now they're like, "Great, thanks for teaching us how to build all this stuff." And we have all the rare earth metals. We're just gonna keep right. this all for ourselves now, because why would we give it to you? Because we're at war with you, you know. So, right. so basically, um, yeah, like we need to become, you know, the U.S. and other countries have to learn to be self-sufficient again. Uh, you know, just like we're talking on the personal level of learning these survival skills, we need to learn manufacturing skills and how to do it without polluting the environment, and all this stuff, right? So. Um, so if you know that the US dollar and the other currencies, uh, and this goes for Britain, it goes for pretty much all the countries, they're, they're all going to go through inflation here, um, especially energy inflation. So, you know, just get ahead of it. That's the first big thing. Uh, and then the second thing you can do is if you have like retirement savings, they potentially will be worth, you know, well, I guess I'll preface with saying I'm not a financial advisor. Do, oh, right, exactly. It's for do, educational purposes only. Do your own research. But I'll tell you what I'm doing. So I've realized that my retirement savings could potentially be worth nothing if they keep hyperinflating it. Uh, here in the US, we have 30, we just reached $30 trillion in national debt, and it's actually a lot higher than that. There's no way they can pay that off. So the only way they can do it is to print more money and pay people back, or they can default. So instead of defaulting, they're like, we'll print $30 trillion out of thin air, pay everyone back. But unfortunately, the, the middle class then disappears. We are now extremely poor. Our you know retirement savings is worthless. It might buy a loaf of bread or something. So this is like the extreme worst case scenario. Uh, but I would not be surprised if this happens in months or years. Uh, I think we're right on the cusp of it. And uh, you know, I think the whole globe will have to get together and reorganize like a bankruptcy reorganization and say, okay, we need to return to like sound money principles, which I'll talk about a little bit. So, so, okay, you got these ferns, these federal reserve notes that you're like, I gotta get rid of these things quickly. Cause they're just going to be fire uh, kindling pretty right. soon, right? toilet paper. So <laughs> I'm going to spend it now, get whatever I can. I'm going to start giving it away and being really nice to people that really need it. Cause yes. it's going to be worthless soon, but now it's useful to them. So I'll give tips to people, you know, give that homeless yes. person some money. Uh, and then the big thing is I'm going to convert it to hard money, which is like gold and silver. And I'm also going to convert it to cryptocurrency, which is digital, uh, digital money that's decentralized and has cap. You definitely want to do one that has a cap, but they can't just keep making more of yes, it. It's like a, money printing, right? They yeah. Can so Bitcoin has a, uh, it's, it's in the system that they can't make more than 21 million. And they've also lost a lot of Bitcoins over the years. 
Mm. So there's a fixed amount that and the decentralized aspect of it is what gives it value. And the fact that most people in the world realize like, hey, this seems like the, the crypto that everyone seems to be using. It's got a lot of adoption. Uh, some countries have started using it, which just pisses off the central banks because they can't control it. So, um, so with gold and silver, this is a great preservation of wealth through inflation. It might not look that way yet. And it's, those markets are manipulated, but when the central banks start to lose all their power and everything collapses, these things are going to probably take off like crazy. Mm -hmm. But if nothing else, they're a place to kind of put your money and shelter it while the dollar devalues and then you can move it back into something else later. So if we create another currency, let's say over the next five years, that's backed by gold and silver, you can then, you're like, oh, I'll just move back to that and I can start using that again. Uh, you can also buy land, land, land in a house. You can't live in gold and silver. You can't live in cryptocurrency. Right. You can live in a house. So if you don't have a house, house yet you don't want to rent from like the you know klaus swab for the rest of your life then now, <laughs> right. now's the time to get a house get some land set up those garden beds in the back and grow your own food uh that kind of stuff um so so good Beautiful. that's a bit of an overview i want to go a bit deeper on gold and silver and, and crypto yeah. but i'll let you uh interject if you have any ideas just did i uh yeah, I resonate with a lot of what you shared. And these are things that some people are hearing for the first time. And some people are listening and saying, yep, yep, <laughs> they're, all, they're there with us. And they know what's coming. And, and those that are prepared, again, can be that calm in the storm, can be somebody who steps up in a kind of leadership uh, and awareness when other people are still struggling and they're spinning in what just happened to me. Right. right. A lot of people are going to be in the emotions of what's happening and not necessarily able to think through as quickly and easily as people who are a little more aware and a little more prepared. So awareness is preparedness. Right. Yeah. And when this awareness came to me, I'm like, OK, I'm going to get educated so I can help other people and spread this message. So, yeah. So that's great. So uh, so let's talk about gold and silver a little bit. Silver is, I think, kind of like the poor man's gold right now. And it's really, it's actually not, doesn't cost that much. Anyone can afford to get a few ounces of gold. Um, I'm sorry, a few ounces of silver, but they can't afford a few ounces of gold. Gold goes for about 1800 right now for an ounce. Silver is like $25 or $23 for an ounce. Not, not, it's not that much. So- uh, And those are the suppressed values. Yeah, and, and the way they suppress it is they, the banks can print infinite money so they created a futures market where they keep like selling short silver and gold, but they never take they never take uh, ownership of the metal when like their future contracts come up. So they basically just just throw infinite money to keep it down because the silver and the gold, if that was skyrocketing now, we everyone say like, well, why am I not in that? Instead right? of this dollar that's like lost ninety eight percent of its purchasing power. So they they want to keep people from from going to this because. Um, for that reason but at some point if they if they lose the ability to control it it will skyrocket if they don't lose the ability to control it, it'll probably still hold its value at least through this time right uh, uh so putting a portion of your money there you, you still need some money to like you know currency to like live your life it's hard to live your life with gold and silver but uh if we reach a meltdown stage with you know need to prepare then bartering with like so like old silver constitutional coins printed before 1965 
like yeah. little old quarters and half dollars and stuff. They have a lot of silver, 90% silver. So people might start bartering with that uh, or like little one ounce silver rounds. So uh, there's some online versions of silver. I would say stay away from those like SLV and GLD are like uh, funds that are supposedly backed by silver and gold, but they only have like a portion. They have very sketchy rules. So that's kind of like fake silver and gold. I wouldn't do that. Um, here's a few simple practical things to look into if you want to do this. If you have retirement funds, you can actually create a gold IRA where you can put gold, silver, and other precious metals in an IRA. Wherever your current uh, custodian is, wherever your, your IRA, 401k, whatever it is, you can move it to another uh, company that specializes in holding physical silver and gold. There's usually some marketing companies that will make this really easy for you. If you just search gold IRA, there'll be a bunch wow. that come up. Uh, try to find a reputable one, maybe read some reviews first. Uh, basically, you just set up a transfer form from your current place to the new place. You can sell off any stocks or mutual funds you have in your account. So you have a cash balance. You would move that over to the new custodian and then uh, whatever the marketing company is would help you purchase uh, silver or gold. So you can do like 50-50 or you can do like, I would do like two-thirds silver at this point. Um, and they'll buy real physical silver for you and they'll move it to a vault location uh, and then nice. hold that for you. Uh, it's, a, it's a rule by the IRS that it has to be managed by a custodian. They can't be at your house. And it's got to uh, be stored in a, a vault. And there's all these rules. So these companies know all the rules and they'll make sure you're good. So let's say we have hyperinflation over the next 10 years. Then you'll be like, oh, sweet. I got gold and silver. That's real physical. And it kept up with that inflation. Mm -hmm. And I can now sell that and go back into the stock market maybe when things stabilize in the world or whatever. Um, you can keep some stuff you know, in other assets or in cash if you really want to. But uh, really do your research on that because we're reaching a really unique time, I think. Mm. So the second thing you can do is buy gold and silver and store in your house. Uh, silver is really heavy, but it's good for that. Uh, I think everyone should have a little bit of silver in their house, at least. And you can buy that from, uh, I like um, SD Bullion. There's a company called JM Bullion. There's mm -hmm. another one called Money Metals. And then Apemex, Ape, Ape, Ape I think is the other one. Those okay. are the big ones if you just do a search. Uh, some states have taxes. So like, uh, like in California, there's like a $1,500 minimum or else they have sales tax. Make sure to buy at least the minimum because paint like five, 10% on top of it would be. Right. It's painful. Bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so just make sure to get past that threshold. And then also think about how you're going to store it safely in your house. Just hide it somewhere, stick it in a box uh, somewhere, you know, uh, random pretty much is probably the best bet. Uh, the other thing with this is there's premiums that they charge when you buy physical metals. It can be as much as 20%. So uh, there's two types of things that people usually buy. They buy coins that are minted by uh, countries. So like silver eagles are minted by um, you know, the US mint. Canada has maple leaves. Uh, Britain has a couple of different styles. These are kind of fun, but you pay a premium for those, but they're always- wow pretty well respected they're not they're not counterfeited as often and so um the second thing is rounds which are printed by private mints they're just basically an ounce of silver with some sort of design uh that someone printed up these are usually just seen as we can melt this down for whatever the spot price of silver is on the right on you're the, not attached to the image on the coin yeah. in that sense of the rounds yeah and the rounds the silver content 
Right. And you might have a really rare one that everyone seems to want because it has a cool design. Uh, it can be fun to collect these things too. You can also get silver bars that are one, five, 10, or 100 ounce, or even kilo bars, which are about 33, 32 ounces. Uh, so some of the bigger ones are hard. Uh, there's less of a premium, but they're harder to sell. So if you have a hundred ounce bar at home and you want to buy a loaf of bread, you can't really do that. So no one has change. Yeah, no one has you. change. Exactly. So, or if you have an ounce of gold at home and it's like, here's $1,800, I want that bread and I'll take right. a donut and I'll take this. So <laughs> right, exactly. think about these things. Uh, Being practical. And, you, and when yeah. you get into, and you do a little bit of searching and educating yourself, you can be more conscious and you make these choices. Like, how would that feel if I was going to get that loaf of bread? What would I want in my pocket? Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, and are you willing to trade this for like some silver? You might have to convince people like, yeah, this is going to have value. Right. Uh, uh, but if everyone starts doing it, then it's like, yeah, uh, you're good to go. Uh, the other thing is um, storing. If you want to buy a bunch of physical metal, I wouldn't recommend storing it all at your house. So you might want to find a free state near you that's not too far away or in, uh, hopefully you live in a free state uh they have depositories that you can uh rent space at or some of these like sd bullion like i mentioned they actually have their own uh depository it's like insured it's vaulted everything right and so you buy it and they just move you into a, like another vault with your own your own little bin or cubby with all your stuff and they send you like invoices each month uh showing you what's in there and they'll charge um uh, like a, a fee to store it, uh, which can be a little hard to swallow. It's like, why do I have to pay for you to store it? But they're insuring it, they're protecting it, all this stuff, right? And I'd actually recommend putting it in a few different places if you can, like your IRA could be somewhere else. And oh, then if you have if you have a little not bit at home, all in one basket. Yeah. And then one at a place you can drive to and get it out or check on it if you need to, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then the last thing in the gold and silver realm is there's a, a site called onegold.com. And so what I really love about this is you can buy, you can place an order and instantly procure a portion of physical gold or silver. It can be stored in like Canada or in like Singapore and like the U in the US. And what they have these humongous bars. So they buy like huge portions of silver and gold. They vault it and then you own a portion of that. You might own like 0.003 percent of this bar or maybe like one full bar and a little bit of another bar or something like that right you wow. can sell it instantly so it's almost like a very liquid market and there's only like a one percent to two percent uh, markup they do charge a, a small fee to also store because you have to pay mm. for part of the storage fees but it's, it's right. tends to be less than everywhere else and you can also buy this with crypto so if you want to get out of crypto and into hard metals you can actually I think it's like a 1.5% 1. surcharge, which isn't that much for that kind of thing. You can actually sell your Bitcoin and buy silver at some point if you want, you know. But that's uh, how people are moving. They're on the move. They're moving their awareness. They're moving their assets. You yeah, exactly. get ready for a new world, right? Because the old yeah. one is departing. So this one gold is, is a very, it's kind of in the middle of all these solutions because it's very expensive to buy the physical stuff with the 20% premiums and get them shipped mm. to you. So this is like a one or 2% premium and you can get out of it instantly, get into it instantly, you know? So it's, it's a good way to like to store stuff. If you want to like get, if you put like a house deposit there and then you sell it all and then you buy some land or something or that kind of stuff. So, so that's the silver and gold tips I've learned. Uh, and then the crypto stuff, I would say be very careful of crypto. First of all, uh, learn about it 
try things out with very small amounts of money. Um, a lot of times people will use two exchanges to purchase. Uh, if they don't know what they're doing, they'll use coinbase.com and Gemini. They'll buy some crypto and then it's stored at those places. Uh, there's all kinds of crazy cryptos out there. I would stick to ones that you've heard about that are like big names. So like Ethereum and Bitcoin are the two biggest ones. Uh, uh, if you want to go a little bit deeper. You know, there's a Stellar Lumens that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, XLM a is a good Lumens. one. I have some of those. Uh, and what's cool about Stellar Lumens is that you can, and I'll let you talk about this because you know more than me actually, Marie. Uh, but you can it's all about transferring between different currencies with the, with the seller lumens. So it actually kind of puts your money in a place that like, okay, let's say the peso is doing really good because they're a free open country now and everyone, all the, all the uh, equities fleeing to free places to do different things because there's all these restrictions in other places. Right. So, so having XLM allows you to not have to decide on a specific currency. You can actually, kind of hold it in crypto and then like move to something else later if you want. So, so that's kind of cool. Um, there's risk to having Coinbase hold your crypto. They, the government could come in yeah, yeah, as a wallet. They could just take all your stuff. You know, we've seen places like, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, GoFundMe, just like Yo, stealing people's money. Assets. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, freezing Lots assets, PayPal. So we've reached this really weird fascist place where you like your money could disappear from also get out of big banks and go to small credit unions, obviously. Um, that's another big one. So you can have a thing called a hardware wallet. There's a thing called the uh, Trezor uh, is a good one. And you can transfer your money to this hardware wallet and then make a backup of it um, using like uh, certain keywords. So that's a good idea to do if you're serious about this. If it's just a little bit of money, I wouldn't worry about too much. But just ask yourself, what if what if the, the government's told Coinbase to freeze all your crypto assets or that's now illegal and that they're just going to seize it? Uh, what would you do? <laughs> These are good questions, right? Yeah. So if you have it in your own hardware wallet, you can say, like I don't care what you say, I'm going to pay Joe the farmer down the road with my own currency from my own wallet. We only need wallet. the government. Yeah, to his Right, wallet. exactly. It's person to person. That's, the uh, I think, the other appeal. So these are on ramps into the system, but you don't have to stay there. You can, uh, there's other exchanges. If you're into like stock markets and stuff, you can actually, it's a lot easier to buy and sell this stuff for less fees. You can exchange one crypto for another, all these things, but, but keep it simple. You know, you can just buy a little Bitcoin and that's it. Or you can buy a little bit each month or each week or whatever, you know, um, the prices seem to have dipped a bit and now they're starting to go up. So now it seems like a good time to get in. Um, I do think they'll go up higher, but again, I'm not, financial advisor and no one really knows but uh everything that i look at seems to imply that uh some people will move their money there the other thing is i think of crypto as a short-term thing like it's a chance to get outsized gains while the old system like mm-hmm. falls apart but then that system could crash at some point too so it I might just be do, a bridge it might be a bridge to get some money together and then buy something real with it so like f- physical gold and silver or uh, a house, land, stock up on some more food, buy tools, you know, buy like stuff you need, invest in a business, uh, invest in your skills and knowledge, that kind of stuff. Um, Very powerful. It's all cool. those things. You did such a things. 
such a great job of like a bigger picture. And it would be fascinating to have more podcasts about any one of these things. Like for instance, someone who I'd love for you and I to have somebody on the show who did buy land and they they're building mm. their tiny house and yeah. you know, learning to be beekeepers or, you know, the things that people do right to, to grow a new economy for themselves, but also feed their family and, and get out of the trap of the, the never ending or a certainly 30 year mortgage type scenario. So, and if your money's going, less far right that that's continuing to happen and so when you have more of what that those assets are that you paid for your land maybe you have i know people who buy in other countries like if they're here in the states they might buy in south america right or other places but you know being smart about making your money go farther as right now it's power buying power is shrinking and people who are paying attention are right on the leading edge of that creation story and we're listening and so a lot of my time i've invested in myself probably a lot over the last 20 years at least learning how to do things myself and one of the things I haven't been into learning about crypto, it just was not on my radar screen, but it's come into my radar screen as the world keeps changing. And a couple of nudges, I would say, from my guides to pay attention, to learn at least, learn more. And there are people who are very, there's podcasters about anything, anything and everything you can find on the web, right? People who are really emotional, in my personal opinion, talking about crypto, like, you gotta buy now, right? I'm not like, you know, that car salesman type energy of like the pressure, pressure, pressure. No, I like to listen. I like to listen to some people. And one of the people, her name's Lynette Zhang. I really enjoy her. She talks about, you know, listening to what the smartest guys in the room are doing and consider doing that smart thing for yourself. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, but we do need to discern who we're listening to. So some people listen to people who are like, buy now, and they get in when it's high and they get out when it's low and they lose a lot of money and they, they say crypto's bad. <laughs> if you do it those self-defeating ways, it won't be a positive experience. But if you take a little bit of time, listen to some of what we're talking about today and pick a slice of what we're talking about and choose to get a little more educated. Number one, you're learning a skill for yourself and your own empowerment. And number two, you're learning a skill for other people who might need to know about these things. Obviously, you can share about these things and I can some too, because we've journeyed this, mm -hmm. right? We've journeyed this. So we're just sharing some of those parcels of energy with people listening, open to these new, this new language. It's a new language because it's a new way of interacting with your money. It's a new, new type of money. It's a new creation, really, that we're creating as a humanity. And I think there's a time when people can say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay the course of what I've always had, the addiction to the familiar. Some people will say, whatever they're saying, the dollar's not crashing, right? I learned the language. I didn't know that all fiat currency has like an expiration date. I didn't know before that most paper currencies have about a 40-year lifespan. That was part of my education process to say, whoa, and the U.S. dollar is already at twice its life expectancy, right? So you know there's this time <laughs> where change is here, yeah. and the signs are there in the system, and I listen to people much smarter than me about all those things, but I listen to the people who clearly are invested in education, 
And they're not always, not to say that they might not sell a product, but they're not pushing, pushing, pushing the product that they know if you understand what they're talking about, it's a natural decision to want to either buy from them or buy from somebody else. So, and if they're really good at what they do, they're already making the money they need to make. They don't have to put a scam on you to make right. a dollar, which they know is failing anyway. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> right. It's the case in point. So anyway, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Did you have more? Was that? I, I just wanted to give one uh, shout out to a site called peakprosperity.com. They have a thing called the crash course where they talk about the economics and the global trends that have kind of led to the situation we're in in a very logical, simple, practical way. So peakprosperity.com. Nice. Uh, definitely check that out uh, and some of the other things we've mentioned throughout this. But yeah, I think what Marie just said just wrapped it up perfectly. So thank you for that. Right. And, and that's what we remember. If you have that conscious breathing, at least in your awareness, even if you're not doing it yet, when more things hit that fan, the shift hits the fan, as they say, right? You may say, what was she talking about that would make me feel better? It's the breath. That's where your life force is going to come and where a sense of calm can come in, where panic or fear or any other uncomfortable emotion might want to, you know, be at the forefront of your consciousness. And then having awareness of this, that awareness is preparedness. That's another vital part of stepping into saying, I don't want to invest the time. I don't have time. We have all the excuses, which is part of the emotions of this journey mm -hmm. of, I don't have time for that. That was my point with spirit and my guides about even learning about something like crypto. I don't have the time. Well, spirit had a way of clearing my schedule for a couple of months mm -hmm. saying, you might want to make some time. And we just made a little bit more for you. So I was like, okay, I have time. And I spent about eight or 12 weeks in that particular education process, dipping my toes in the water and listening to different people and feeling where I resonated just for the teachers I needed, because there's a lot of teachers out there and not every teacher resonates with us. So rather than throwing the whole concept out, like you said, with peak performance, like we find these things that work for us. And if they work for other people, great. So yeah, there's a lot more that what we seeded in this conversation, any one of these things could be a larger conversation that I'd love to have with you. And, and we'll see how our listeners respond. I know a lot of people are at the precipice of about to wake up to this, or they're in the journey somewhere, but they are going to be very happy when you see people you know start to talk about the things you've been curious about, but you haven't taken the steps yet. It's just another affirmation from spirit in your journey that this may be coming soon to a life near you, like your life. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is coming for you. And, you know, I haven't had any experience in my life, to be honest, even if I was asked to do something I didn't want to do, if I realized that it was mine to do and I let go of the resistance, it actually became like an adventure. It actually became something that I cherish now. But at first it was the thing that I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. So we empower ourselves when we choose consciously and we grow our awareness and we step into experiences knowing that if we create something we don't want, we just uncreate it and we create something else. So I think there's a saying that my partner often quotes, anything is possible and nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent and anything is possible. I think is what she says. And that's, that's true. And so we also need to let go in my opinion, the fear of taking action steps, because we might think, what if I make the wrong choice? 
So you buy a, buy a can of beans today and you really meant to buy a bag of rice. Okay, so next week, go get the rice. It's okay, right? Yeah. So this is beautiful. Thank you. It's a little bit longer of a podcast, but we covered a lot of ground. And I think there's very important information and those seeking this kind of information will hang in there with us. And I think we should do this again. I think we should do this again, Matthew. So, you know, we'll be back to be continued. And if people are engaged in this and want more, you know, put some things in the comment section and we'll include that the next time we talk. So until next time, you can find me and a lot of these videos of Color the Magic on YouTube and other social media. You can find me at Whole Soul Mastery. And where can they find you, Matthew? Yeah, you can, if you'd like to do uh, try some of that subconscious empowerment work to work on uh, the, the psycho-emotional levels and the trauma, you can find me at habitualhealth.com. Habitualhealth.com. Perfect. Well, we'll see you next time, everybody. Blessings in the journey. See you. <laughs>